Today on Ag News Daily. Close to a thousand, you know, every every other sale we'll get fifteen hundred or two thousand, and the, one, the other week we'll get like today uh, seven hundred or seven hundred fifty. But we're selling uh, many, many more cows than normal. Good afternoon and happy Friday from the Ag News Daily Podcast. It's Ashton Carr going solo once again today. And I'm going to just go ahead and hop right into the news so we can all have an early weekend. I'm ready to get into the weekend. Don't have too many plans, but it is my last weekend before I get back into the routine of going to school. So I'm going to lay out by the pool, relax, and have myself one final summer weekend. So I'm going to hop right into things talking about some equipment shortages. We talked earlier this year about these equipment shortages, and it looks like that this could go well into 2022. Leif Magnuson, who is the senior vice president of the Americas with Class, says that supply chain shortages and delays will likely spill over into next year. They were quoted as saying, this year we have been blessed to actually get everything that we needed to fulfill demand. However, going into next year, the concern is that, especially on the technology side, a lot of companies have put out warnings that we could be seeing delays in that area. He told Brownfield Ag News that shortages and delays aren't the only issue plaguing supply chains. He said that not only are we seeing surcharges and costs going up, but we're also seeing big delays at the ports and at railway centers. And if you are an avid listener of the Ag News Daily Podcast, you know that these are concerns that we have been discussing over the past several weeks. Magnuson says that cost concerns are impacting both manufacturers and producers who purchase equipment. He also added that supply chain shortages range from tires to electronic chips. And if you aren't seeing a whole lot of cars and dealerships right now, you could thank the shortage on electronic chips. So I think that this might be going into the world of ag equipment as well, which isn't some great news to hear on this Friday afternoon. And honestly, I don't know if I have any more pick-me-ups. Well, actually, I have one that I'm going to end with talking about the dairy industry. But for now, I'm going to move over to talking about the EPA as they are expected to recommend to the White House higher biofuel blending mandates for 2022 than for 2021 and 2020. The EPA is also expected to issue proposals for the 2021 and 2022 years at the same time. And this could potentially be a a blow to the biofuels industry. The mandates have become a, quote, political snare for the Biden administration as the rules typically pit oil refiners against farmers and the biofuels industry. The administration has so far had to consider how to tackle setting the obligations amid a global pandemic without angering either constituency. With its current plan, the EPA is looking to align mandates with actual production levels, which have slumped during the coronavirus pandemic. Not too much um, right now on this development. Hopefully we can get something um, here pretty soon. Um, as the mandates for 2021 have already been delayed by more than half of a year because of the pandemic. So we're going to wait and see on this one. I think that um, with all the conversations surrounding biofuels and the EPA that we're going to see a lot of discussion here, um, you know, pretty soon as this begins to develop. But I'm going to move away from that right now and talk about some USDA news. My last two stories concern the USDA. And this first one is talking about a the USDA awarding $26 million for Hyoblend biofuel infrastructure. 
Projects in 23 states across America will receive a combined $26 million to install pumps, tanks, and other equipment for selling higher blend biofuels. The projects are expected to expand the availability of higher blend fuels by 822 million gallons annually. The grant money comes from the year-old Higher Blends Infrastructure Incentive Program. USDA Rural Development official Justin Maxson said that we are giving consumers more environmentally friendly fuel choices when they fill up at the pump and stimulating an important market for U.S. farmers and ranchers. Of course, higher blend biofuels include E15 and E85. Grant recipients include businesses interested in biodiesel fuel. So this is some good news for our producers out there kind of following up some not so great news and i'm going to end on a high note as well for the dairy industry in an expansion of its pandemic portfolio the biden administration said that it would pay an estimated 350 million dollars to dairy farmers to offset lower milk prices caused by market abnormalities during the second half of 2020. The payments are going to benefit farms with smaller herds than most Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack said that the new pandemic market volatility assistance program is the first step by the USDA to deliver $2 billion to help the dairy industry recover from the pandemic and be more resilient to future challenges. Yet to be implemented were a $400 million program to donate dairy products to food banks and a $580 million infusion of funds to provide more assistance to small and medium-sized milk producers through a dairy subsidy program called Supplemental Dairy Margin Coverage. The market volatility payments will, quote, compensate for some of the damage resulting from the pandemic, according to Jim Mulhern, who is the chief executive of the National Milk Producers Federation. Dairy farm revenue was $750 million lower than expected due to disorderly fluid milk marketing conditions that resulted from Trump-era responses to the coronavirus pandemic and a 2018 farm bill revision in the dairy support formula. Although this is a big step, there has been concern that this falls a little bit short of meeting the needs of dairy farmers across the nation but they're going to be seeking supplemental funding to close this gap, according to Mulhern. Again, you know, they being an MPF. These um, market volatility payments will cover 80% of the revenue difference per month from July through December of last year based on annual production of up to 5 million gallons, roughly the milk produced by a 210 cow herd. Payment rates will vary by region based on actual losses on pooled milk related to price volatility. The money will flow through independent handlers and cooperatives to reach farmers. And speaking of dairy prices, I want to go ahead and chat markets here with you all. And you know, yesterday we didn't have great news in grains. There um, is actually more selling today. So I wish I could give you some, some good news here, but taking a look at the screen, you know, there's red across the grain market. So I'm gonna just start off here, rip the Band-Aid off with the corn contracts. The September down 11 and a quarter cent to close at 538 and three quarters. The Dece down 13 and three quarter cents to close at 537. In soybeans, the September closing down 29 and a quarter cents at 12.93 and three quarters. The November down 29 and a quarter cent to close at 12.90 and three quarters. 
and spring wheat this September up one and a half cents to close at a nine eighteen and a half. The December down two and a quarter cent to close at a nine oh two and a quarter. Looking into livestock, futures are rallying in some late week trade here, according to DTN in live cattle. The October up 90 cents to close at 129.05. The Dece up 55 cents to close at 134.52. In feeder cattle, the September up $2.60 to close at 165.50. The October up $2.15 to close at 167.62. In lean hogs, the October up a dollar seventy to close at eighty eight sixty two. The Dece up a dollar fifteen to close at eighty one seventy, and the February up eighty seven and a half cents to close at eighty four ten. Rounding things out with our class three dairy milk futures, the September unchanged at seventeen eleven, and the October up two cents to close at seventeen ten. I'm going to kick it over to a bit of audio that we got from Farm Journal and Drover's editorial director, Greg Henderson, talking about the impact of this year's drought and what role it plays in the cattle market. Let's get started. Let's hear from our panelists. Um, today we have joining us Niels Hansen from the Public Lands Council. He lives in Rawlings, Wyoming. Larry Schnell from Stockman's Livestock Exchange in Dickinson, North Dakota. Jason Johnson with Producers Livestock Marketing in Vail, Oregon. And John Nalivka with Sterling Marketing, also in Vail, Oregon. We're going to start with Niels Hansen. Niels, we would like for you to uh, tell us uh, what you're seeing and what's going on with the public lands ranchers and, and how the drought is affecting you. Yeah, thank you, Greg. You know, we, uh, as uh, everybody I've talked to, it doesn't matter which state, uh, well, in, in my region, anyway, have uh, mixed uh, reports. Some people are catching some rain and doing pretty good and holding on, and a lot of people are, are hurting really bad. And uh, we've seen uh, people making major adjustments as far back as April uh, to changing their, their plans, uh, maybe moving stock off the ranch. And um, I, I know one uh, one friend was uh, feeding hay to his uh, cows clear into June, waiting for his high country to to improve so they could turn out on the range. We get re reports uh, similar to that all over, um, and I'm sure everybody is in the same boat that we're all sitting here now and looking toward the future and trying to pin down what these uh, feed costs are going to be for the winter and making so that we can make plans that direction. I know uh, um, I've been getting good reports back that uh, the agencies, um, primarily Forest Service and uh, BLM, have been uh, very uh, uh, helping people out a lot, working with them on uh, destiny plans and and uh, uh, trying to uh, just be a good neighbor and a good partner on the land. So um, we're all struggling and just uh, trying to work our way through. Next, we want to hear from Larry Snell with... Uh with Stockman's Livestock Exchange in Dickinson, North Dakota. Larry is also the current president of the Livestock Marketing Association. Larry, welcome. Thank you, Greg. Well, in our uh, part of the country here, we are uh, similar to what Niels was talking about just prior. Uh, the drought is very severe in North Dakota. I think we can include South Dakota and Montana kind of in our drawing area as well. 
And uh, it's a dire situation. The uh, older ranchers are telling us that this is as bad as they've seen it. Uh, not many of them went through the 30s, but since then they're saying this is as bad as they've seen it. Uh, just kind of as a background, our last decent rains came in uh, September of 2019. We had 11 inches of rain, which is very rare in North Dakota to get a fall rains of that amount. I think that's what got us through last year. There was quite a lot of subsoil and moisture, so a lot of ranchers got pretty close to half a hay crop as compared to normal. This year, it's all gone. Uh, the haying that is going on, a lot of people are not even cutting it, but uh, if they are cutting it at all, uh, they're talking about one bale per acre. Some of them uh, less than that. We're talking about acres per bale. Uh, other feed sources, there's more There's more corn around here than there used to be, but the nitrates are very high. Same story with wheat and other grains. So uh, it's a very dire situation. Very good. Uh, next, we're going to hear from Jason Johnson, who uh, uh, is the manager of the Producers Livestock Marketing in Vail, Oregon. And uh, Jason, I think you also run a backgrounding yard. So um, looking forward to hear from you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I uh, probably a very similar situation, maybe maybe about a, uh, a little behind the boys out there in uh, North Dakota. Uh, we've been able to to generate some crops this year, but we're, we're going to be running on empty here sh real shortly. And, and we're going to be able to probably get through this year pretty decent. Uh, but then we're going to be if we don't get some significant uh, rainfall and some some pretty good winter we're going to be in a real real tough situation uh next year i do think one thing i'm really noticing a lot of is is the smaller operators uh with the with the cost of you know these commodities where the price of hay is going and and just a total lack of outside forage a lot of these guys are just are, are getting out and uh, a lot of them have a job in town a little bit and uh, the fun's kind of gone out of the agriculture thing, and I'm seeing that uh, pretty regularly. Uh, the bigger operations, they're going to they're going to they're going to make it through. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a struggle, but they're going to they're going to hang in there. But I think I think uh, if if we don't get some some relief uh, weather wise, we're going to be in a real tough situation a year from now. Uh, real similar. I mean, we got guys that are feeding hay right now, and uh, you know that's a big problem. Just so much expense going into these these calves that uh, it's it's not going to be economical for very long, or it's, or it's not already. So uh, some real challenges we're faced with. Jason, I I want to ask you and Larry before we move to uh, John Nalifka, but uh, would you give us an idea of of the increase in numbers that you're seeing at your livestock markets uh, here this summer? And I'll, I'll, I'll let you start, Larry. Thank you, Greg. At uh, our market here, we really started selling the, the big numbers uh, earlier than most places. We started selling them uh, like in March. And then when we hit uh, the first part of May, we started selling cow-calf pairs. We were selling at least five to 700 cow-calf pairs uh, every sale that we had for them. And then we went two days a week through the month of May and uh, into June. And then we went to one day a week since then. Normally this time of year, we would be uh, going every other week and hope to get two or 300 head of cattle. 
Uh, we're probably averaging uh, close to a thousand. You know, every every other sale we'll get fifteen hundred or two thousand, and the, the other week we'll get like today uh, seven hundred or seven hundred fifty. But we're selling uh, many many more cows than normal, and uh, the only reason we aren't even selling more is because these ranchers are trying to hold on until the calves get big enough to where they can either wean them or sell them. But even there, there are even some of those that are uh, moving right now. Next week, we'll probably have a thousand new crop calves, which is unheard of in this part of the country this this time of year. Are you still seeing uh, pears uh, come to town? Or are they Are they weaned early now or what? They'll come here as pairs, but almost all of them we split because the cow market is so good that uh, it's there's more money in their pocket if we split them up and sell the calves and the cows separate. Okay. Jason? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're in the same situation. Uh, we're getting lots of pairs to town, but we're just pulling 300-pound calves off the cows and uh, and weighing up the cows and the, and the calves. Uh, we hope somebody's got some interest and a little bit of hay piled up and they'll take them and feed them. And uh, we've probably been running at least running at least double, maybe three times what we would normally for the month of uh, June and July. And it's really just starting to kick in full right now. Uh, through June, July, the first part of August, we're usually in that two to 300 range per week. And uh, we've been running right close to a thousand straight on through and so a real similar situation i have more questions that i'll ask you in a few minutes a, a very interesting and very sad situation i'm gonna uh ask john nalivka uh john has been a uh, marketing consultant for drovers for over 30 years and and uh, our relationship goes way back john is the president and owner of sterling marketing also in vale oregon John, um, I think uh, we're ready for you, and we're going to let you. Um, John has some slides to share with us. So, yeah, thanks, Greg, and I. And I think this is a you know good to have this webinar and kind of you know I we have some people on here who aren't in agriculture and they can kind of see what happens in this industry when you get in these droughts. But anyway, I want to go through it, you know, some slides and kind of show some of the, some of the numbers behind some of these, some of these cows coming to town. So go ahead. The next, next slide, Lindsay. This is just the, you know, once again, the draft monitor, you can click through this and, you know, go past the next one and stop it. Yeah, stop the next one after that, Lindsay. Okay. You know, along with this drought, of course, we've had these fires out here in in uh, in the West, primarily Northern California and Oregon. We've had the the worst. This is the this is the bootleg fire, which is they're getting it somewhat under control now. But you know, these fires have, have also the fires may not necessarily be a result of the drought, but they sure don't add to it when you're running cows in the in the forest. So it's been a been a problem. This bootleg fire is over four hundred thousand acres at this point. So it's over there and kind of over there in south southwestern Oregon as you as you break over in towards the you know going towards the Willamette Valley. Next slide. This is this is uh, this is the uh, added problem on these 
on these fires. This is a, you can't tell this is a cow that was in, that got that fire ran over the top of her and they've had quite a, a pretty good, you know, death loss on these cows out here in the forest. They simply can't get away. So anyway, the point of the, you know, make the point that the Oregon Cattlemen's Association is, is raising money now to, to help on help some of these ranchers who lost cows. Next slide. So our cow slaughter, as you can see, we're well over well over a year ago and well over 2019 on total cow slaughter. You know, this all kind of started if we go back, not, not only the the drought, but if we go back to these these severe winter storms we had down in primarily down in Texas down in February, and you can see where that slaughter it was down that week and that was simply because the plants were closed and then you can see it where it jumped up right after that that following week and it's never it's held you know almost nearly every week about a year ago since then this is just the uh our our capacity to, to slaughter cows in the country is about 141,000 head a day or a week excuse me next slide please so this is beef cow slaughter and you know, I typically don't put this, this many lines on a chart, but but I've done it this year with this simply because you can see our cow, our beef cow slaughter this year. We're right now year to date we're up nine percent over a year a year ago, and that compares to the same time last year when we were up four percent last year over the over the previous year. So we've been we've been above a year ago, and the you know the, I think the thing that's striking is our cow slaughter now is we're above that 2010 to 13 average when we went into that significant liquidation when we had drought in the Midwest and and knocked the or pushed the liquidation, pushed the cattle inventory in the country down to a 60-year low and we are down to 88 million cattle. We currently have just over 90, close about 92 million. So next slide, please. This, this is beef cow slaughter year to date through the week, the week ending J July 24th every year going back. And you can see we're at the highest slaughter level in week year to date since 2011. And those two numbers, the thing that's significant, those two numbers are almost uh, the same number. So here you go back, you know, 10 years and we're slaughtering as many cows this year as we did you know, 10 years ago as we went into, and if, you know, people remember, that's when we had the drought in, uh, in Texas and, uh, the Southeast. And we started out in the Southeast, moved into the Southwest and then moved right up through the center of the country. And, and we had that significant drought in 2012 in the Midwest. Thanks again there to Farm Journal for letting us have that piece of audio and inviting us to join their seminar. We're going to be having an interesting week next week. It may or may not be our last week of, of our Ag Labor mini-series. We could be going into September with this just because we find it so interesting. So you're going to have to tune in wherever you get your podcasts. And if there's something that you want to hear from us, go ahead and reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Ag News Daily and make a suggestion. We're always open to hearing new things. We definitely want to provide interesting topics to our audience. And with that, I'm going to let the people go.